Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Just a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix. And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime. Indeed it is, and uh, summer means storms, and uh, my gosh, where do we start? We got so much going on today. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the concert on the Common that was scheduled for tomorrow with the Embers and Craig Willard, uh, it was going to be a real kickoff to this historic weekend in Greenville, unfortunately, has been postponed because of the weather. It's going to be raining virtually uh, all night, all day tomorrow, and then certainly tomorrow evening. And into uh, Monday, uh, Friday morning as well. Uh, so the concert has been moved to June 23rd. We'll talk more about that. But uh, the concert of the common uh, has been uh, canceled. Check out uh, our Facebook page for 94.3 The Game. And uh, it gives you details about what the next concert is. It's a week away. And uh, again, that rescheduled date. But no Embers concert tomorrow night for our concert on the common, unfortunately, because of uh, the uh, threat of... Uh, of rain and pretty consistent scattered showers throughout the uh, day. We were dealing with some of those uh, right now, in fact, uh, in Greenville and eastern North Carolina. Uh, also, Mike Krzyzewski, according to uh, Jeff Goodman, going to retire after next season. Uh, and it has been confirmed that John Shire is going to be his uh, replacement uh, after uh, the 21-22 season. So all of that we'll get to. Brian Mole. we're going to talk some golf with him. That kind of shifts over now to some uh, – Coach K and Duke talk, and we have Brian on later in the program. Uh, but we start with uh, a, uh, a guest we always enjoy having on. Great conversations whenever we uh, welcome in. Uh, John Gilbert, Director of Athletics at ECU, as uh, he joins us here right off uh, the jump on the show today. Uh, John, always great to talk to you. Hope all's well. All is well. Thanks for having me. A little better than we were a year ago, I guess, right? Uh, a lot better. Uh, you, you know, things are starting to trend towards normal, uh, which is good for everyone. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your time here uh, this afternoon. Obviously, uh, many, many things we could talk about. Uh, we'll start, obviously, with baseball. And uh, I understand, at least as of this afternoon, uh, the ticket sales had been pretty brisk, but there were still some, some ticket opportunities for uh, fans out there. You, you know, the last time I checked, now that was mid-morning today, we had probably 37, 3,800 tickets sold, um, and we had a few seats in the bleachers. The majority of the remaining seats will be in the jungle. Those are the prime uh, tickets for a lot of people, though. I, I think that we... <laughs> They are. It, it just depends on what floats your boat, but the jungle's a hot spot. So, John, is that – are those – Session tickets, or are we to the individual game tickets uh, portion uh, of this year? Session tickets, individual tickets will go on sale tomorrow at 11 a.m. Okay, very good. Well, obviously the baseball uh, team winning the conference regular season, another national seed, a third straight uh, regional in as many postseasons for uh, ECU. Uh, your assessment of, of the job that Cliff Godwin and his staff and the, the student-athletes have done this year with baseball? 
Well, well, obviously, you know, it, it just speaks volumes to where our program is, and Cliff has done such a great job, and, and his staff, uh, of leading the program, you know, three consecutive regional hosts. I, I mean, that just doesn't happen many places. Um, and so, obviously, we're we're very excited to host in Greenville, and, and you know, excited for our student athletes and coaches to to get that post-scene experience uh, right here in Greenville. We also have uh, the first in a year and a half, or, or certainly the first this year, and that is a, a, a packed stadium at Clark LeClaire Stadium. That's why we wanted to let the folks know about the tickets, kind of off the jump here, but uh, certainly hoping. For a packed house, as the Pirates uh, take on Norfolk State in that noon slot on Friday. Well, well this will really be the first uh, athletic event that we've had since the pandemic hit, where where it's been open capacity. So it it is a big weekend uh, for us all. John Gilbert, ECU director of athletics, has been good enough to take a few minutes with us uh, here on the phone, uh, off the jump here on the Patrick Johnson show. Uh, obviously what Cliff Godwin has done, uh, his name is a, a big one in college baseball circles. Uh, you know, I kind of want to refrain from asking these questions at times, but it's a question I'm getting from a lot of people. In fact, I was just asked this in the uh, lobby with uh, someone coming in, but you know, certainly one would expect Cliff Godwin could garner some attention with some jobs uh, out there. Uh, and I don't want to put you in a spot or, or, or speak to anything that's not going to happen or, be, or speculate what may or may not happen, but I guess that is something that you probably are, are cognizant and, and aware of that Cliff Godwin, despite being an alum, despite wanting to lead this program to Omaha and vowing he will he will do that, is going to get, I would imagine, some very attractive offers from some very high-profile suitors. Well, well it, it just, you know, th- there are some, uh, you know, big, uh, high-paying jobs out there. Uh, and, and, you know, it just speaks to where our program is and what, how Cliff has thought of nationally, you know, when you win at the level that, that we're winning right now, uh, th- there are, you know, some suitors that will come calling and that's just a natural part of the business. From a financial standpoint, knowing some of the tough things that, uh, we've had to endure with this athletic program in the last year and, and even really, uh, in the year leading up to the COVID year things that you were having to sort out. Uh, is that a concern being able to field a, a competitive offer? Should one come up? Well, you, you know, it, it's one of those things, Patrick, when you look at, you know, our entire athletic dep- department and the funding and where, where that funding comes from, uh, w- we are very, very well funded as it relates to baseball compared to our peers in our conference, mm-hmm. and, and I would even argue compared to a lot of Power 5 schools, like we fund baseball very well here at East Carolina, and uh, clearly that funding has paid off when you an, an investment that uh, everyone has made uh, to, to help baseball. You, you know, you, you see the end product, and the, the funding does make a difference. So, um, we are and continue to invest in baseball. How how are the financials right now, John? I know when we talked to you prior to sort of the spring sports season and the spring semester, which had all these sports going on, uh, that we had, uh, you know, there were some, some 
things that you were still at that point didn't, how are you going to pay for all the COVID tests? I mean, there were a lot of unanswered questions at that point that have obviously sorted themselves out. Where, where's the athletic department right now financially? Well, we are, you know, we've made a lot of sacrifices uh, this year. Our, our coaches, our staff, uh, we've done a lot of uh, budget cuts, salary reductions, and furloughs. And we continue to work through those through June 30. Uh, the institution has, you know, been really good about, you know, trying to keep us stable. But, but this year, as I've said many times, this is a year of survival. We, we've been able to generate very little revenue for ourselves when you look at, you know, no very little football tickets, no, no basketball tickets, and, you know, a limited, limited capacity baseball tickets. So the ability for us to generate revenue has been very slim this year. But I'm hopeful that next year uh, we're going to be back to normal. It starts in the fall. The, the biggest thing that we can do uh, for ECU athletics and our finances is sell football tickets and pirate club memberships. John, where are we with, uh, you know, football season ticket sales as of this? Because we're starting to see the game times announced for those September games. So our, our thoughts uh, are kind of starting to turn to that ever so slightly, even though we, we all have baseball on the brain right now. But as far as the prospects of, of that part of the equation how's that looking right now well we're we're right there in that between 11 and 12,000 on football season tickets and you know when I first arrived when coach Houston and I first arrived we had a season that we sold 12,500 season tickets the first year of coach Houston we went up to 14,000 we had a COVID year this past year so we can't really count it and so my my goal would be I'd like to get to fourteen thousand or more this year. We've got an attractive home football schedule uh, with South Carolina uh, coming to Greenville. Um, you know, the first time we've had an SEC opponent in a while. So it should be in the, an attractive football season uh, ticket package, and you can get a season ticket in the upper deck for as low as a hundred dollars. So it there there really is. Uh, a price point for everyone that that wants to come and enjoy pirate football. So you you talked about the uh, university uh, sort of being a, a, a university as a whole being a partner during this uh, tough COVID survival period. And I know when we would talk with uh, Ron Mitchelson, you know he committed that uh, certainly the university was capable of of helping and aiding athletics get through this year. I assume uh, Dr. Rogers, Philip Rogers, uh, has has made those same commitments. But as the university, I, I assume they've been a they, they continue even with uh, Dr. Rogers now in place to to be a partner to help. I don't want to say stay afloat, but certainly provide that uh, supplemental support so so athletics is able to kind of pursue ahead because it, it look nobody's feeling sorry for anybody uh, here. Uh, you know your contemporaries. I mean they're. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough neighborhood, as we know. Uh, but is the university still, from the standpoint of uh, that, that commitment to support, is that still there as far as you know? Uh, absolutely. You know, Dr. Rogers has been extremely supportive of athletics during his time here. Um, 
you know, and, and we're all dealing with this, and I, I say all, I mean all athletic departments across the country, whether they're big or small, you know, due to COVID and, and the, the inability to generate revenue, uh, it's been difficult on us all. And like I mentioned before, we've done, you know, pretty pretty uh, drastic pay reductions, uh, furloughs, um, you know, budget cuts. And so we, we've gotten really, really lean over this past year and all the things that we're trying to hold on. Uh, and, and obviously, we're, we're going to need the institution to help stabilize us this year. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm confident that, you know, once the fall comes, we need to get back on our feet where, um, you know, we can, we can help fend for ourselves uh, to a degree. Right. As you look, John, towards uh, fiscal year 21-22, uh, and, and you just outlaid, I mean, certainly it's been challenging uh, the last year plus. Uh, but but how is how is that budget you know looking is that, is, is is that funding restored to the level pre-COVID at this point or is that budget going to have to to still be pretty tight? Well, well, I think we're going to still have some operating efficiencies, and and what I mean by that is for for non-conference games, uh, unless it's contractually obligated, like I want our teams to get on a bus non-conference, not hop on a plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still going to monitor expenditures. It, it just doesn't flip overnight. Um, so, so it, it is, uh, you know, it's still going to be tough, but but I think we're going to rebound and uh, move forward quickly. When you look at something that the SEC has done, I mean, they're, they're giving institutions uh, $23 million, and, I, and I don't, you might know this better. This was one of those things that appeared over the holiday weekend and uh, – can't remember if it was in the form of a loan or just something they were giving, you know, them to sort of to get by this. I mean, that it's a huge number. Uh, that's an incredible yeah, that, number. That he, I think each school got a uh, twenty-three million dollar uh, advance payment. Okay. Um, you know, from their distribution, and they they had a unique thing that hit uh, either this year or going into next year. And I'm speaking a little out of school because I don't know the specific details. Right, right. But they had a long-term contract with CBS to get the game of the week. Um, And so the CBS telecast was always the first pick uh, of the SEC telecast. Mm -hmm. And that contract is expired or is expiring and moving forward uh, I think ESPN is is picking up uh, that additional time slot, so they they got an extra uh, kick from TV that they're able to help uh, all their institutions kind of bridge the gap. So in advance, in other words, on yeah, yes, yeah, gotcha. Well, point being, I mean, not every conference is is able to do that. Um, gosh, that just that seems like you know it's it's such a tough situation with uh with the television discrepancy and i know the first year of this this new deal with espn has kicked in for the american and, and has and will help greatly and should pay some major dividends down the road but uh, i i think that when somebody's hearing that i think i understand kind of the the deficit it's not just ecu that several institutions are kind of operating under uh when it comes to to kind of the the you know true tippy top if you will of of that p5 well, I, I was looking at, uh, I saw something the other day where um, 
you know, Penn State was projecting a $20 million deficit for, for this year. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it really is affecting big and small schools uh, alike. You know, when, when you're – your main revenue producer, football, uh, is limited on attendance or no attendance at all. Um, you know, it'd be like telling a radio station, "Hey, you can have a you can have a radio show, but you can't sell advertising to it." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Director of Athletics Review, John Gilbert, is with us. Uh, we appreciate uh, John taking some time. Uh, single season or single game tickets on sale tomorrow for ECU baseball. Uh, there's still tickets for uh, the sessions available uh, now and uh, I, I assume could be purchased uh, online uh, this evening if, if you want to go that route. I know today uh, they had uh, a couple of the track and field athletes that are going to compete at the uh, NCAA uh, up in uh, the Pacific Northwest uh, uh, meet with the media today and uh, Coach Kraft uh, has uh, been the helm of that program for quite a while. But uh, really exciting for for that program and for those those athletes to compete in that track and field event, I, I just wanted to give a little, you know, shout out there because that, I mean that's a positive story that uh, with all the hoopla for baseball and rightfully so maybe has kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit, but uh, that's really kind of a cool thing. Well, it really is. We had two individuals, uh, Ryan Davis, who's going in the hammer throw, and, and Ryan actually has a chance to qualify for the Olympic trials. Wow. But he's going to represent uh, ECU and Eugene in the uh, hammer throw. And then Summer Knight uh, is a pole vaulter. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned this on the, the my interview earlier today. Uh, you know, Summer reached out to ECU to see if we would be interested in her, her senior year in high school. And then, you know, this year she got into regionals. And at regionals, they take from the east and the the west, they take the top 12 teams to nationals. And her and a girl from Penn State had a jump off for the 12th spot in the pole vault. And Summer cleared 14 feet. Uh, The other girl missed. And so uh, Summer is the first individual to ever qualify for nationals in the pole vault at, at ECU. So really excited for her and Ryan uh, to you know, to go out there and compete as individuals uh, for for ECU and represent us at you know a, a really fine uh, championship. No, that that's great, and uh, I appreciate you sharing that story about summer. Uh, also today, uh, during that same media availability, we heard from Shane Winkler, who's the new softball coach. There's been a change, quite obviously, uh, there. You know, in a COVID situation, there's been a couple of coaching changes made in those Olympic sports uh, and, and still uh, waiting to announce, I guess, or, or still seeking who will uh, lead the, the men's golf program. But uh, I, I'm assuming those decisions aren't made lightly. There's a lot of things that probably do have to go in that, go into that. Uh, and, and then when you make the hire, is that more of a, you're looking to maybe change the culture perhaps of those programs when you make those sort of decisions? You, you know, I, I think that, um, one, I'm excited about Shane Winkler uh, leading our program. Uh, I think if you look at his background and footprint and then what he's done at George Washington, the first year he was there, uh, they won 40 games. This year they won 39 and, and went to the Baton Rouge Regional. Um, and, and so, 
um, he's got a lot of passion, a lot of energy, and I'm excited about that. I, I think each hire is unique. You, you know, when, when a uh, coach uh, leaves the program, it, it's, you know, some programs the the coach leaves and and the culture's great and you're you're looking to maintain that um you, you know when when some coaches leave you're looking to um you know completely change the culture and go in a complete different direction and I, so i i've been a part of a lot of coaching searches and and no one co- coaching search is the same and and no one replacement is the same mm-hmm. it just re- really depends on individual circumstances right i got you uh john gilbert ecu director of athletics uh is is with us here certainly there's been a lot of uh i think hand-wringing from fans over uh basketball and you look at uh Jaden garner obviously an all-conference first team player getting into the transfer portal uh and you know there's a ton of kids still in that portal i was i was checking that uh yesterday and and i mean there's just still an incredible amount of number of of uh athletes and pretty good players that are still available in there. And you look at the ECU roster, it's not filled out as of yet, uh, at least what you would consider a full roster. Uh, and then the, uh, the the official news coming that Coach Rock is, is heading out to Texas where he's from to join Buzz Williams and reunite with him again. In your estimation, where's basketball right now? Well, I, I think basketball, maybe more so than any sport, uh, we'll, we'll certainly get a taste of it in football after this season. You know, the the timing of the rule change of the one-time transfer. So, you know, before everybody would have to go and sit out mm-hmm. uh, a year as they transfer. And now with this uh, one-time transfer rule, individuals can leave and go to another institution without having to sit out. I think it's going to have the most effect on basketball initially because of the timing of when the announcement was. And, you know, transferring in uh, college athletics is a pandemic unto itself. Mm -hmm. Um, If if a student doesn't get, you know, the playing time, the touches, the, you know, the things that they thought they were going to get, the grass is greener and they're going to look to go somewhere else. And so it's something that, Every coach is going to have to manage moving forward, and I don't think it is a good thing for the game of intercollegiate athletics. I don't think it's good for the student athletes, and I don't think it's good for our coaches and staff. You know, you, sometimes you got to overcome adversity, and sometimes you got to work through it. Uh, but that is not necessarily the mentality right now, mm-hmm. and and I do grow concerned. As we move into football, uh, you're going to see these bigger leagues recruit, try to recruit our best players uh, away, and so our coaches are going to have to have to constantly re-recruit their own rosters first. Is this unfortunately here to stay? You think? I mean, unfortunately, from the standpoint of just the things you outlaid there is that, I mean, you could have full turnover like we've seen in basketball this year. Yeah, I I think it is here to stay, and and it's really going to hurt high school student-athletes because if you're a coach, and I'm just using basketball as the example, are are you going to recruit a kid that's in the portal that averaged 10 to 12 points a game 
uh, at another, you know, college, or you're, are you going to take a high school student athlete who you think can play, and, and they're going to find the balance of doing both. But I do think more ki- more coaches are going to recruit out of the portal because they really know what they're getting. Uh, John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics, is, is with us. Uh, we, we mentioned football season ticket sales. You sort of mentioned we could see uh, this really impact football after after next season. But, uh, you know, a, a tough schedule, a lot of high hopes for, uh, for Mike Houston in this program. I, I know in talking to him out of spring ball, he was just excited that there were some guys that got to have a, a spring uh, part of their uh, career at ECU. A lot of young guys that had not experienced that in the program yet uh, for a couple of years. Uh, how, how are you feeling going into the summer and going, you know, into into the football season, twenty twenty one? You know, I, I feel really good. I, I do think our roster is probably the most stable it's been in, in quite a while. Uh, we've got a really good culture on the team. I, I think it is going to be really helpful for ECU uh, to be here this summer and to lift and to do, you know, conditioning workouts and eat. Uh, you know, last year we didn't quite have that stability with COVID, and I think it's going to make a big difference for us going into uh, fall camp. John, there was a, a story from SI.com, and this is not the Sports Illustrated in a lot of ways that you and I kind of grew up with, uh, but, uh, you know, it's still out there, and they still have uh, some people reporting. There was a, a piece that kind of laid out what the American may look like. And, and I think it had some Mike Oresco comments in there. Uh, obviously there's the constant push to, to have a seat at that, uh, you know, P five table to be a P six. And, and I think the league has proven itself in football and will again, prove itself in basketball to be a, a top uh, caliber and, 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 you know, in that sort of P six mode. Um, but this article kind of lays out that they're, the future of the conference could be East and West. I know you're very involved with, uh, as are the other directors of athletics, with what's going on in the league. I know there's maybe only so much you could say, but uh, is that is that the next logical step potentially for the American to to split? Is that I guess what, what to, was the you know question? there's there, well there's reports of you know we could see Boise come to the league. In other words, oh. add teams from yeah. other parts of the country. Uh, and, and kind of make you know have the league grow a little bit is is that is that logical in, well, in your I, mind? I, I think this. I, I do think it's time for the playoff, the CFP, to expand. Mm-hmm. And you know when when that expansion comes, and I do believe it's coming, you you want to have a seat at the table. So in order to have a seat at the table, you try to make yourself the most attractive you can make yourself. And, and so I do think you'll see leagues looking to uh, expand or, you know, make themselves more attractive when the CFP expansion comes. Mm-hmm. Because if you can get a guaranteed seat at the table in the playoff, the amount of revenue that that generates is substantial. And, and so I, I think the American, like, you know, probably some other places are looking at how, how do we – how do we attract uh, people to come live in our neighborhood to help increase the value of our homes? Yeah. Uh, hey, John, thank you very much. It's always great to talk to you. You, you provide tremendous uh, insight and very thoughtful answers, and uh, I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy. 
with everything going on uh, ahead of this regional and, and just in your daily activity. So we appreciate it greatly and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Patrick. I appreciate you having me on. Go Pirates. All right, there he is, uh, John Gilbert, ECU Director of Athletics. Uh, a break, we'll come back, recap that, let Ben update you on everything else that's going on. It's been a noteworthy day today. Uh, Patrick Johnson Show rolls on after this. They're on the go. Love it. Log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day. You need to. Tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Pirates, Panthers, the P-Man. Oh, my. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game right now. Well, it is uh, pouring rain right now in Greenville. Be uh, safe if you're out there driving. Because it's coming down. I don't know if it's quite a frog strangler, but it's a gully washer. Uh, 80 degrees tonight, 68 the expected low. I'm just trying to crack Ben up today. Trying to get you pepped up, buddy. You don't have to do that. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm not saying you're not. You just, you know. Just focus. You are. You're really locked in. Focus mindset. You are locked in. It's a little frightening. Uh, Thunderstorms tomorrow, 80, and 90% chance of rain, according to this forecast sheet I've been handed. Which, again, it looks like someone might have eaten their lunch on it and then given it to us. you got to stop getting these used weather reports here. Very disturbing. 90% chance of rain tomorrow night, and then... Looking at an 80% chance of rain Friday, but I think that still is going to be more in the morning. So ECU should be able to get their game in against uh, Norfolk State at noon. Get a little wet and wild. <clears throat> I, I, just, I, don't, I don't think right now, unless something's changed, it's going to be you know, this sort of uh, deal where it's just going to rain all day. Uh, but you, you can't watch it on the on the weather right now because there's tornadoes at the south of us, so they're they're doing tornado coverage on our vast bank of monitors here, wall to wall. All the local uh, TV stations are getting people their safe spaces and all that good stuff. Uh, so John Gilbert just joining us there. A lot of interesting things said uh, by John Gilbert. Uh, notably, about 3,800 session tickets have been sold. For the NCAA this weekend, the regional in Greenville. Uh, and uh, those session tickets remain on sale. Individual tickets go on sale tomorrow at 11. And I think that's where you'll see the majority of the games gobbled up, or excuse me, tickets gobbled up for the ECU games uh, with uh, those remaining single game tickets. A lot of people out there looking for ducats, and there's still some available. That's the big thing uh, there. That's at least as of you know earlier today. Um, some interesting things and maybe some interesting things he didn't say as well in that, uh, in that interview. Uh, we do need to move it along cause we're going to get Brian Mull on with us. Um, a couple of major, uh, news items as far as ECU and the sports world goes. And Ben is going to talk about this. Duke's Mike Krzyzewski is going to coach in his final year this year and then hand the reins over to John Shire. Ben will have more on that in a moment. Uh, that was broken by uh, Goodman today with uh, Stadium, Jeff Goodman. And uh, Goodman's also broken the story that it has been confirmed as of a meeting this afternoon that Shire's going to be the guy uh, coaching waiting, if you will, which is kind of interesting. 
Uh, we'll get Brian Mould to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Memorial and the golf event this weekend, HV3 playing up at Jack's place. But uh, we'll get into that as we can. But, you know, Brian covers a lot of college basketball. He's both a writer and broadcaster. So I, I do want to talk to him uh, about, uh, about that. <clears throat> we're trying to get John Feinstein on tomorrow. You know, John knows Coach K very well, so we're working that as hard as we can. Uh, if we can't get him tomorrow, maybe Friday, we'll see. Uh, of course, we'll have some post-game thoughts Friday on the uh, ECU matchup. Our concert on the Common has been postponed. Um, was originally scheduled for tomorrow, but because of all this weather and instability, uh, that concert featuring Craig Woolard, our pal, our colleague, our friend, Craig Woolard, who every time he sees Ben, has this to say to Hey, Ben. Ben. He says it. I've heard him say it. That's a real recording of Craig saying hi to Ben when he walks in the building. Love Craig. Love me some Craig Willard. Craig Willard and the Embers will be uh, will will be uh, rescheduled for the twenty third. So our inaugural concert on the Commons. We've waited this long after COVID. What's another week? What's another week? Uh, so because of rain, no concert on the Commons tomorrow. All of that. Uh, we'll resume the following week with the uh, debut concert. Uh, and I don't have the band name in front of me, uh, Dylan, so don't don't wrap my knuckles for that because uh, I've got other got other windows open on my computer and I just I don't have that on on one of my pre-used pieces of paper here that uh, they set down in front of me. Um, and then the other thing, and Ben will have more on this, uh, the Pirates have named a starter for game one. In fact, I'm not going to spoil that. I'm going to let Ben. The baby Byram, no, no, B baby Byram, not the baby, B baby Byram. Tell you about that, and then we're going to get to Brian Mull. Uh, anything before we go to you, Ben, that that stood out in your mind on uh, our chat with John Gilbert? We appreciate him taking a few minutes with us. I thought the basketball. Well, as I said, thing some things that weren't said were 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 interesting than in some cases more than the things that said. I, I do think it is appropriate, and I think it's genuine. He realizes. And we've said this before on the show. I think college basketball, by the pandemic, and then the timing of the ruling by the NCAA to allow the student athletes to transfer without having to sit out a year, was a perfect storm. And I think basket college basketball has been harmed in some ways. Some programs have been harmed greatly by this. I think the, it's, I'm not talking about the transfer portal by itself. I'm talking about the whole situation stem to stern. I think the entire thing with the pandemic and this had the biggest impact on college basketball as a sport on the financials. John was right. College football because of the lack of fans or no fans being able to attend that created real economic hardship. That's kind of the breadwinner there. It is. And that's created economic hardship. So, you know, athletics was impacted because of what happened with football. or didn't happen more appropriately. In my opinion, the, from the sports standpoint, basketball, both men's and women's, were harmed the greatest by the pandemic. And, and I think John acknowledged that in, again, so many words, but also acknowledged that, the, that this situation with the transfer portal has had, a, I mean, let's face it, it's, and, and it's just not ECU. It's had a negative impact in a lot of places. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, Ben, with uh, who the Pirates are going to start in game one of the regional and more ahead of Brian Mall right now. Thanks, Patrick. From Pirate Baseball, we have a picture for game one of the regionals as it was announced that Carson Wisenhunt will start on the mound against Norfolk State. 
Empire Basketball East U assistant Steve Rockefeller will join Buzz Williams as Texas A&M's new assistant coach. Elsewhere in college basketball, Duke head coach Mike Koscheski has announced that after his upcoming season, he will retire after five national championships in 41 seasons. Duke assistant John Shire has been approved as the next head coach of the Blue Devils. Wake Forest hires ex-Tennessee State head coach Jason Shea as an assistant coach. From college football, the College Football Hall of Fame announced her nominees for the upcoming class. Among those nominated include Reggie Bush, Andrew Luck, Marshawn Lynch, Julius Peppers, among many others. From the NFL, San Francisco center Weston Richburg, the highest paid center in the NFL history, has announced his retirement citing injuries. And the league is planning to expand the season to 18 games, while also throwing around the idea of holding one game a season in Germany starting in 2022. From the NBA, the Sixers will be without Joel Embiid for Game 5 of their series against the Washington Wizards. The Sixers currently lead the series three games to one. And Boston Celtics president Danny Ainge is retired as president of basketball operations for the Celtics. Head coach Brad Stevens will take over for that role. That's going to do it for your 94th to the game sports update. I'm Ben Byron. Back to you, Patrick. Our guy, Reaney, back on the ballot, by the way. Reaney and Goalie is going to be in the triad this weekend. Reaney uh, rolled that out there. He's going to be... Uh, Second time's a charm. I, I hope it is. We love us some Reaney and Goalie on here, don't we? Friend of the show. The Rochester Rocket. Of course, played uh, with the Bills in the NFL and also at UMass and uh, on college football at ESPN. We love us some Reaney now. Let's hope he gets in there. All right, uh, we'll come back. I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I know you knew it. I just wanted to yeah. – you know, we like to acknowledge Reaney and give him a shout-out. All right, Maul is standing by, and uh, we're going to make him wait a few minutes as much as he's made us wait at time. So we're going to call him uh, after the break here and uh, talk a little bit about this Coach K thing with uh, college basketball writer Brian Mole also uh, working a little golf talk as well. That's why we had him originally scheduled for today. Uh, back after this. Eastern North Carolina's home for the Adam Gold Show. Come on in. Weekdays at noon, right here on Eastern Carolina's home for sports. I love sports. And the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Greenville's top sports show is back. Well, isn't that special? The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Just won't let you be. Before uh, the regional, check out our podcast with Cliff Godwin inside the ECU Clubhouse. Final edition was released yesterday. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, not because of the uh, because of the holiday. We talked to Coach uh, on Tuesday. And uh, you can check it out, 94.3thegame.com. Uh, Patrick Johnson's show is uh, there as well, wherever you download your favorite podcast. And we're... Uh, I think we're talking podcasts uh, internally for uh, the next few weeks. Kind of after we get through baseball here, we're going to start to develop some. Isn't that the plan? Oh, no. Some are already out. Are they? Yeah. On our YouTube. We got a YouTube. Oh, we got a YouTube. Is this the one you were talking about? Yep. We got to put a space for it on 943thegame.com. Go for it. Oh, you, 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 all this is happening. So there's uh, some, some bad weather to the south of us now. Uh, I see there's a tornado uh, warning, and it involves Rose. I stopped by the Duplin Winery uh, for the holiday weekend. with uh, The Winery of the South. I'll tell you what. I was blown away. First of all, it's right there in the middle of Rose Hill. But it also, which I kind of expected to be out more in, in the county, you know, not in the town. 
But uh, exceptional service there. Everybody was so friendly and helpful. I mean, my wife wanted to go, so we went on our way to the working man's beach. And it was uh, it was something. I, I was I'd go back. They would go, I got a great club sandwich because I'd not eaten. And I said, "Honey, I got to get something to eat." And I got a great club sandwich. Ate it there. Serve food there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got, got it all. They yeah. got a restaurant. It's it's really cool. When you get older, Ben, I'll I'll take you. Uh, Brian Mull is uh, kind of kind of a guy that uh, well, I don't want to say he's older. I didn't really transition that very well there, but uh, <laughs> can't get any younger. I- was that a was that was that a fake hearty laugh you gave me there? Was that uh, was that a little rub in the face situation there? I think so. Only Mull and I, I Ben can, can get away. Yeah, only Mull and Ben can get away with talking to me as as uh, as ugly as both of them do. So we're going to have you on to talk about uh, the memorial, which is a fabulous event, and and HV uh, 3s playing in, and uh, but obviously Jeff Goodman dropped bombs on those plans today, and as you know, Brian Mull covers. Uh, College hoops, writer, broadcaster. So, uh, gosh, boy, you know, what, what was your reaction uh, to all of that today? The, the news that Mike Shashevsky is going to uh, uh, retire after the twenty one twenty two season. Well, I'd had a feeling for for a while uh, that this was a this was going to be his last season. That being said, I was not anticipating any type of announcement until after the season. And so it certainly caught me off guard uh, from that standpoint, the timing of it. But then with the immediate announcement as Shire as coach and waiting and, uh, you know, looking at, at recruiting and things of that nature and what they've already got committed for 2022, it made a, it makes more sense. But uh, certainly a day that we was imminent for, you know, the last few years and, and uh, boy, how the landscape has changed on Tobacco Road in a short period of time, uh, losing uh, – about 2,000 wins in a, co- a course of a couple of months yeah. between Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski. Are you surprised so much that he's – because I was talking to an avid Duke fan today, and I said, you know, the thing that makes sense to me is this This kind of happens in every other business, and that is, you know, all right, whoever the CEO is or the president of the company, they're retiring, and so the person that is going to be – taking over for them in some form or fashion is going to spend a transitional period of time with the uh, outgoing CEO. In other words, John Shire's the replacement he's going to get to spend. Uh, he's already spent a lot of time, but he'll get to spend that year w- w- with Coach K in, in maybe a a different sort of form. This this is uncommon for college basketball, but for the rest of us in the, in the real world, and if the situation is – Copacetic, it usually is uh, something we see. It is, and and you could say that in many ways, uh, Mike Shevsky, the way he has run the program at Duke, is more from a business model sometimes than the college athletics model. I mean, he's followed kind of uh, that hierarchy, and he has uh, really over the last twenty years, in particular, uh, delegated a tremendous amount of responsibility to his assistants. Um, and they've been very involved in, in every aspect of the program, has not micromanaged it in that way, and in, in hopes of preparing them to, to lead their own program one day, as many have gone on to do. But, uh, you know, he's always had a a, a special, uh, you know, affection for, for his guards and his point guards, and certainly Shire being on a national championship team and, uh, you know, coming in and has obviously uh, impressed him enough in the last several years when he's been on the staff to feel like that, 
that he can handle this responsibility. I know that uh, Tyus Jones has given him a lot of credit for, for his development and Trey Jones as well during their, their brief time there. And, uh, you know, he's the point man on recruiting Zion and Jason Tatum and, and, and RJ Barrett a little bit here in the last few years. So, uh, you know, it makes sense and, uh, it does, uh, you know, it allows him to to ease into it a bit, if you will, and probably take on even more responsibility than he's had in the, in the past. Are you surprised with the uh, names that Goodman rolled out there as other potential candidates? Uh, Amaker, who, who I understand wanted really no part of this, dating back for years. Uh, Johnny Dawkins, who's down at UCF and made a Sweet 16 run a few years ago. Uh, and then, I guess, Wojo. Uh, you know, kind of an interesting collection. And where was Jeff Capel in all this? Yeah, uh, no offense to any of those guys, um, and, and it, look, these are tremendous shoes to fill. That goes without saying, regardless who gets it. But I don't think, uh, from a resume standpoint, that Amaker or Dawkins have uh, have shown as a head coach consistently that um, you know they, they're ready. And maybe at this stage of life, Johnny, you know, is, is probably not ready to tackle such a big, big uh, challenge. Um, you know, the last guy in his 30s from Chicago that came to Duke did, stayed there a pretty long time. Did okay. Did pretty well. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe, uh, I mean, I think it's unlikely that John Shire is the coach for the next 30 years or so, but uh, maybe that's kind of what was along with the thinking, you know, the line of thinking there as well. Um, you know, Wojo, uh, it'd be tough. It'd be tough to name a guy who, who just uh, was relieved of his duties. Yeah. Um, when you look at Krzyzewski's legacy, uh, is he the GOAT? Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of the 10 best coaches of all time in any sport. Uh, when you when you look at uh, the sustained success, when you look at where the program was, when he inherited it, where it was after three years, uh, Duke was an afterthought in this part of the country. It was UNC and NC State were, were, you know, at the forefront. That was the big rivalry when we were kids growing up in eastern North Carolina. And, uh, you know, with the onset of ESPN covering college basketball and Duke's rise, and um, you know, he established it as, as a brand. And, uh, you know, like a, like a good columnist in your, in your newspaper 20 years ago, people, you know, love it or hate it. And, um that's uh, that's kind of where it's at. Everybody has an opinion. They're much like the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL or the New York Yankees in Major League Baseball. And, uh, you know, his record on the court speaks for itself. Um, he's adapted through the times. Uh, and uh, certainly not without flaws as a coach. I mean, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be Duke fans forever screaming at him to use his bench more. But, um, you know, you, you can't uh, – you. To do it that well for for forty years is is just incredible. And adapting to, I think that's the the thing. Uh, he he has adapted how things are done within his program a lot better than his contemporaries maybe have. And uh, I, I think there's no that, doubt. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's what's led him to to, to probably be college basketball's greatest coach. Uh, sorry, we didn't get a chance to talk any golf here, but maybe we can do some of that down the road. Uh, good to catch up with you, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get you next week uh, before the event in South Carolina and recap how Harold does this past week and, and all of that at Jack's Place. Okay, sounds good, Patrick. Uh, have a great day. All right, there he goes, Brian Mall. Uh, going to talk golf, but uh, obviously uh, that news shifted once uh, the Jeff Goodman report came out. One exception I'll take with something that Jeff Goodman said about Kay is he said, well, the national uh, the name, image, and likeness. 
Kay's been actually an advocate for that more so than, than Roy Williams ever was kind of been like almost the head advocate at he, some point. Yes. And so for him to say the NIL, I mean, look, Jeff Goodman did a great job to break this story, but to, to say that's one of the reasons is, is just not accurate in my mind. Uh, more on that tomorrow. we got a break. Come back, wrap things up, and uh, get you ready for tomorrow after this. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Uh, we have some audio that we didn't get to today, and I appreciate you cutting that up. Then We'll do it tomorrow. Plus, we'll hear from Cliff Godwin. Uh, I know Brian Geisinger, ACC Sports, will be with us. Talk uh, more Krzyzewski. And then uh, trying to get John Feinstein on. Also uh, take a uh, preview of uh, ECU and Norfolk State and the uh, regional uh, tomorrow. Uh, thanks to uh, John Gilbert for being with us. And uh, as always, Ben Byram doing a great job. We'll catch you. Oh, also, Brian Mull. Forgot about him. Forgot all about him. Yeah, he was there. A lot going on today. It's an action-packed show, as it always is. Uh, it is uh, Greenville's number one sports show. Patrick Johnson program. We'll uh, catch you tomorrow. <laughs>